This episode of Eat the Rules is brought to you by You on Fire. You on Fire is the online group coaching program that I run that gives you a step-by-step way of building up your self-worth beyond your appearance. With personalized coaching from me, incredible community support, and lifetime access to the program so that you can get free from body shame and live life on your own terms. Get details on what's included and sign up for the next cycle at summerinandin.com forward slash you on fire. I'd love to have you in that group. This is Eat the Rules, a podcast about body image, self-worth, anti-dieting, and intersectional feminism. I am your host, Summer Inanin, a professionally trained coach specializing in body image, self-worth, and confidence, and the best-selling author of Body Image Remix. If you're ready to break free of societal standards and stop living behind the number on your scale, then you have come to the right place. Welcome to the show. This is episode 227, and it's the last broadcast of our death to diets series. In this episode, we're answering the question, what if you need to diet? Like what if you have to lose weight? So we are covering all of the different health conditions that people think they need to lose weight for, such as diabetes, high blood pressure, joint pain, and sleep apnea. And we are talking about what to do if you struggle with this idea that you need to lose weight for health or mobility reasons. And we also talk about the two reasons why you may choose to go on a diet or intentionally lose weight. So you can find all the links and resources mentioned in this episode at summerinandin.com forward slash 227. I want to give a shout out to Nora, the explorer who left this review. I'm so happy to have found Summer's podcast. It is a must for all women. Her messages of body confidence and self-love are so incredibly empowering and necessary for people to hear. You can leave a review for the show by going to iTunes, search for Eat the Rules, then click ratings and reviews and click to leave a review. You can also help others to find the information you're learning here by subscribing to the show via iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. And don't forget all 227 episodes are now available wherever you listen to podcasts. So that's super exciting or not. I'm kind of embarrassed by some of the old ones, but maybe you can go back and see how the intro I used to sing like Axl Rose. <laughs> um, and one more thing, don't forget to grab the free 10 day body confidence makeover at summer forward slash freebies with 10 steps to take right now to feel better in your body. This is the last segment of our death to diets mini series that I did with my good friend, Vinnie Wellsby. I loved doing these. I don't know what we're going to do in the future. If we'll, if we'll come back together and do some more of these again at some point in time. But for now, this is the end of the mini series. After this episode, we're going back to regular podcast episodes with a bunch of exciting guest interviews and some solo episodes. I'd love your feedback, actually. Did you like these Death to Diet series? What did you like about them? Why did you like them? And enjoy this one. We're, we're, we're putting the final nail in the, in the coffin uh, for dieting with this episode and answering the question, what if you need to diet? Let's get started with the show. So, Summer, it's our last show together. Oh, my glob. I know. For now, I guess. Like, we didn't really talk about it when we went out for dinner the other week. (laughs) We were supposed to. Went out for your birthday. Happy birthday. (gasps) 
<laughs> Thank last, you. Couple of weeks ago, like a month ago now. <laughs> How old did you turn? Forty-three. Woo! Haven't been haven't been dead yet. Hooray! I know. I know. I know. Uh, you get you get into forty and you just like don't even know. Like you literally have to like do the math in your head because you can't remember. <laughs> Same. I'm 37. I'm still, I think from the age of 35, I've always rounded up my age. And then when I did, when I get to my birthday and then I calculate how old I actually am, I'm like, Oh, I'm a year younger than what I thought. This is great. So it's a good like problem to have in my brain because I keep thinking I'm 38. Then I remember I'm 37 and I'm like, Oh, bitch, cool. I've got another year. You know, it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So- yeah. That's a good way to do it. Uh-huh. So now today, our, our last episode, what are we talking about? So we are talking about, we really just want to put the nail in the coffin as it relates to dieting. And so we are answering the question, what if you need to lose weight? I said it like that because you capitalized the need. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you what if you to need to lose weight? Yeah. And I think we both got a lot of feedback from our audiences around this. So yeah, yeah, it yeah, should yeah. be good. We'll just do a brief intro of the show for anyone who's listening. This is Death to Diets, where we talk about diet culture, ridiculousness of diet culture, stuff that's happening that's more topical, as well as stuff that you know we've heard from you, feedback from you on things that you want us to discuss. And uh, we don't shame people for dieting. We really just talk about the cultural issue of dieting in general and how it hurts individuals and what we can do better. Yes, 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 yes. And who are you anyway, Summer? Who the hell are you? I'm Summer in and in. I'm a professionally trained coach that specializes in body image, confidence and self-worth. And I've been doing this work for about eight years. I help people from all over the world. And I host a podcast called Eat the Rules. Who are you? Who are you? Who am I? Who am I? I'm still trying to work it out, Summer. I don't know. But here is a 3D print of my teeth. So, um, yeah. (laughs) Where'd that come from? Oh, is that for the... um... You said, do you want this? And I said, fuck yeah, I want this 3D printing of my teeth so I can put it on my desk. I mean, come on. Do you think Dougal? Do you think Dougal will come and just like put it in his mouth one day? Well, I went like this to Dougal to see if it would scare him, but he didn't realize that it was my teeth. You know, I'd kind of like, for those who can't see, the, I'm smashing them together in a bite thing. But he wow, just that them. is cool. Yeah. So, you know, um, so yeah, anyway, that's a close up of my 3D printed of my teeth. I teach people how to unlearn a fat phobia. So that's all people, fat people, thin dietitians. Tall people, short people, you know, everyone around, everyone around the place. And uh, I have a podcast, Fierce Fatty, which is uh, where this is being hosted. If you know me, then that's it. And uh, yeah, here is my non-binary crown. Yeah. Happy Trans Day of Visibility. It is Trans Day of Visibility. Yes. Trans Day of Visibility. And this is the crown that I wore on my gender celebration ceremony on New Year's Eve. And it's got the color, the non-binary colors, which are purple, gray, white, and yellow. But I don't really like wearing it because it makes me feel a bit too feminine. So I'm like, like it because I want people to worship me, but also don't like it because I'm like, it's a little bit too feminine. I need to, I need to mask it up a bit, maybe put on some spikes or something. To mask it yes, up. yes, like the Game of Thrones, like the spikes out of the chair type of thing. Yeah, yeah, or it could be like, I don't know, with dicks or something. I'm just thinking, like, what can I find in the local area? Would you- Put your 3D teeth on it. I feel like I would do it. 
<laughs> right? Because they're the right color scheme too. Uh, they're not pointy enough. Yeah, Good I idea, don't know Summer, but that idea was fucking rubbish. Nice try, <laughs> but no cigar. No, it's not working. Get some better ideas, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, 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 Summer, we hear this all the time, right, um, about... But I need to watch. Well, I don't know if you do. I do. I presume you do. But with lots of views. But I need to lose weight. So I need to go on a diet because dot, 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 dot. And so you're going to take the first big one and I'll take the other one. And so what is the first reason that people say, but I need to lose weight? For health. For health being, I think, one of the bigger, bigger ones. So... Obviously, you know, most people believe that in order to be healthy, you have to be in a, in a smaller sized bot, like in a straight sized body or in a, in a lower body weight than you're currently at. We know that that is not true. We know that a lot of health conditions are more, it's more about like, there's some correlation there, not necessarily causation. I mean, actually, I was just curious, like how, when someone comes to you and says that, how do you answer them usually? Yeah. So what I would say is, okay, first off, I'm not a doctor. I'm not giving out. Yeah, me either. Health, blah, 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 whatever it's called. Diagnosis, blah, 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 blah. I'm not blah, blah, blahing, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I would ask some questions of like, you know, it's normally the big kind of things that we associate with fatness. And so it's normally things like type two diabetes. It's normally things like sore knees. It's, uh, you know, like sleep apnea. Sorry that again? Sleep apnea is one yeah, I hear. Yeah, so common. it's normally the things that we associate, you know, the, the things that are going to kill all the fatties. So I will present with them with information. And so my favorite resource, do you know about this resource? It's the HayesHealthSheets.com. Do you know about that one? Yeah, I love those, the ones that Reagan Chastain came up with. Yeah, and so I talk about it's like pretty much every every podcast episode, basically everything I ever talk about is just um, this thing. And so all of them are all on there. So heart disease, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, joint pain, joint replacement, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, uh, sleep apnea, PCOS, type 2 diabetes, and osteoarthritis. And if we look at them, every single one, what causes this? And none of them are because you are too fat because you need to lose weight. And the the biggest ones, type two diabetes, non-alcoholic, fatty liver, high cholesterol, things like that, most of it is genetic. And yes, fat people are at a higher risk. We don't know why, but what we do know is that fat people um, have worse health outcomes because one, because of the stigma that we face, the the raging fat phobia that we live in. Two, because of dieting. Dieting is really not great for our health. And three, because of the subpar healthcare that we get. And so, you know, are, are those things, any of those things, the, the fault of fat people? No. Uh, so the big thing is, it's not your fault. And let's actually look into what we can do to support health using this information 
created by Reagan Chastain, uh, Tiana Dodson, and the last person, it's skip it, it's gone out of my head, but it's a, a, a medical doctor um, who's come up with the, these recommendations. Yeah. So that's what I would say, Summer. What would you say? Yeah, I, I always like to ask people, what does health mean to them? I always like to understand, you know, what, what's, you know, what's your kind of personal definition of health? Because I think that that's, that really, it can be different. And I think that sometimes when we ask ourselves that question, we might start to identify things that actually don't have anything to do with weight. Like we might think, we might say, you know, it's, it's to have energy or it's to, you know, be able to keep up with my kids or it's to be able to, uh, you know, sleep well, or, you know, like just different components of, of health. And when we actually can look at those things, or we can create a personal definition, and and I failed to mention like mental health, I think a lot of people when they they don't even think of that. (laughs) But if you say, well, what about mental health, and they might think, oh, yeah, like, you know, stress reduction, or some of these other things, we start to see that none of those things really have to do with the size of, of your body that, you know, we can work towards better energy or stress reduction or better sleep or better mobility via things that don't require dieting or, or weight loss, because we know that the outcome of dieting is actually going to be more harmful to your health overall. We know that dieting is a stressor and we know that weight cycling is not, not good for, for your health overall. And so I think if we can create our own personal definition of what health is and look at what we want more of for ourselves, that that's really important. And I also think that just some education around the fact that we don't have so much control over our health as we've been led to believe. I think that diet culture, wellness culture has us believe that like we can control everything about our health. Like if we only find the right supplements, the right nutrients, if we only eat more of the certain foods that we can, you know, that we can control our health outcomes. And like, that's, that's such bullshit. Like we can't, we can't, it's so much, like you said, so much of it is, is genetic. And I think that a much smaller percentage is really related to things like food and movement. I would say stress is probably a bigger component in that one that we tend to neglect because we just want to like, we just feel that like, well, I need to just add more kale to my life or something like that. And that's not actually going to do anything. What would you mean? Uh, I thought <laughs> kale meant that you would have everlasting life. <laughs> superfood, right? That's what that means, isn't it? Yeah. Superfood. Oh, I thought I was going to live forever because I had a kale sandwich one time. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a really good point there. Summer is something that I talk about a lot is the determinants of health, and um, yes. I'm actually going to reshare the graphic on my Instagrams of what I used to think. What I eat and how I move is pretty much ninety percent of what made up my health status. The reality is my health status uh, is made up of many different things. Things like the fact that I have white skin, that I am university educated, that I uh, live in Canada, that um, I have access to going to therapy, that I um, go to visit a doctor who doesn't shame me constantly because of my weight. 
only sometimes that I'm not exposed to guns, that I have safer sex, that I um, am uh, my social status. You don't smoke either, which is a big one. And so it's actually really, really, really complicated. And there is like health, like what does that mean? <laughs> you know, what? what is it? You know, it's such this amorphous concept of we can never arrive at being healthy. It's not a place, it's not a destination we can get to where we're like, right, that's it I'm done for life I've ticked the health box and I can just live forever it's this, it's constantly changing um, there's so many different parts of what is healthy and most of it we can't control and just a, a kind of quick you know quick and dirty overview of the determinants of health massive study done individual behavior it makes up 36% of health um, determinants of health on the individual level, level. and individual behavior isn't just food and movement it's psychological it's mood disorders it's risk related behavior like driving a car and the risks associated with getting into accidents it's your sleep patterns and physical activity and diet and so physical and activity and diet are, are just two points within 36 percent. and i think that's something like i don't know six percent or something and so really what society tells us physical health is is like 99% how much kale do you eat in reality you know and even in that diet and and uh, diet and and moving that doesn't necessarily mean that you just eat kale and work out 75 hours a day it's actually way more complicated than that and more nuanced and is different for everyone yeah, yeah, it's so individual. And like, I'm I just, you know, privilege, like you said, plays such a huge role with with all of this stuff. This episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. Their product AG1 is something that I use every day. I started taking AG1 because I don't have time to always eat a wide variety of foods. And with my son in daycare, I need my immune system to be functioning as best as it can. And AG1 saves me from taking multiple different supplements. With AG1, I can have one drink and I know I'm giving my body its best chance at better immunity and energy. With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's got a mild tropical taste and goes down easy. What I love is that for every purchase, they donate to organizations helping to get nutritious foods to kids in need, including No Hungry Kid in the U.S. As well, they are a climate-neutral certified company. To make it easy for you, listeners, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash emerging. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash emerging to tend to your health and arm your immune system in an easy and convenient way. I think that like, we also need to be asking ourselves, you know, if, if we want to make changes in the name of health, like if we want to, you know, focus on whether that's blood sugar management or, you know, better stress reduction or sleep or whatever, to always look at what you can add versus what you need to take away. Because I think that 
we've we've learned that like oh we must take a restrictive approach we must look at what i should eliminate from my life or my diet and i'm a big fan of looking at like well what what can we add more of and making changes that are really really small that feel ridiculously doable because i think that there's also this mentality of like well i'm going to make all these sweeping changes and i'm going to starting monday i'm going to you know do i'm going to go to the gym and i'm going to eat this and you know, we know that we know how that ends up. <laughs> Just you end up kind of in like this kind of the same sort of restrict binge cycle. So really looking at two things. One is like, what can you add and what feels ridiculously doable for you? And, you know, how are you going to feel if your body doesn't change? Like what, how are you going to sort of assess whether something is working for you? Like what can, what intentions can you set for yourself? Whether that's well, I'll know what's working for me if I just, you know, if my digestion is better or if I'm sleeping better or if I just feel better overall and bringing it back to, you know, listening to our bodies to kind of see what what feels best for us, knowing that like it doesn't mean you're less of an individual or if there's something wrong with you if you have a health condition or if you have if you have diabetes, like it, it's not your fault. So much of that is is like you said just outside of our control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the kind of the healthism and ableism that's in there as well. Exactly, uh, like you say, um, someone who is not healthy or not able-bodied is exactly equally as worthy and important as someone who is quote unquote healthy, whatever healthy means. Yeah, and if you choose to engage in like health behaviors that doesn't make you a better person like than someone else who if you have that choice uh, as well like i think that that's another thing that we have to divest from is this idea that like i'm a better person because i do these things you're not i don't know summer i definitely felt like i was a better person when i was like running 10ks and stuff and posting about it on social media being like i did it in the rain what's your Yes. <laughs> I definitely felt like I was a better person. Did you did you do that? Did you really oh do that? Oh my god, this memory popped up of me and my then boyfriend running in the fucking snow and ice and I said, We are so dedicated to health that we do it even when and I was and now I'm like what the fuck are you running in <laughs> snow and ice? One, because it's dangerous. And two, why are you being such a self-righteous dickhead by posting it on Facebook? And you know, people were, I'm so, so embarrassed. I need to I need to find it again so that I can share it on and be like, look what a bell end I used to be. I, I mean I, I probably I definitely have some shit like that too. And I think like you it might have made you feel like a better person, but that was because you were so insecure. <laughs> Like, do you know what I mean? Like, you didn't actually, like, wholeheartedly feel like a better person. It was like that hit of validation that you were getting that made you feel like a better person. <laughs> I think. If I... <laughs> no, yeah, you're absolutely right. Because I was actually just being like, oh, look, I'm such a good fatty because I'm going out for a run. Yeah. Um, you tell yeah, me that yeah. I'm okay, you know, which is, you know, I understand. Poor, you know, Vinny then, you know, I understand. I get them. They were a sausage and they were a dickhead, you know, both of those things at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so then anything else you want to say on that or should we move over to the other reason Let's that people go say on they to the need? other thing, which is the other big thing is mobility, which is the other thing is people say, 
I am so unfit now, now that I've put on weight. A lot of people, since the global panini that we, we are in, they put on weight and now they can't do the things that they used to be able to do before the panini or perhaps when they were younger. Um, or they say, you know, now I go upstairs and I'm out of breath and it's because I've put on a little bit of weight. So what do you think might be going on there, Summer? Yeah, I mean, like... Here's the thing. There's a couple things. One, fat phobia, like just the, the this sort of belief that like, well, it must be because of my body size, because that's what we've learned. As well, like sometimes when our bodies change, there's an adaptation period that happens that it takes a while for your body to like, you know, feel the same way that it did before. And so sometimes, you know, like, for example, if your belly sticks out further than it did before, then doing particular things, like whether it's tying your shoes or doing a particular pose in yoga, like that is going to get in the way and it is, is going to feel different. And I think that that doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you or that you're, you know, like that, you need to make a change to your body. I think it's just like, how can we work with the body that we have in this moment? And how can we take the focus off of weight being the problem and focus on like what we really want more of if, if, if for example, we want to be able to, you know, pick up more things or be more mobile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always find it's, it's, I find it so interesting. It's kind of like a plus B equals C, you know, one plus one equals 10 because we've got a bigger body then of course it's because we have a bigger body that we can no longer do the things that we used to do and a lot of times I say I say get my detective glasses out my monocle or whatever it is you know the thing that what's it called the the magnifying glass and say okay what's gone on in your life and it'll be like well in the last two years we've been in a global pandemic I've given birth to a baby I've had postpartum depression I have suffered suffered an accident when I fell down the stairs and hurt my back I stopped being able to go to my uh, week Pilates class. I haven't gone out and done any type of movement recently. Yes, um, yes, yes, yes. And it's like, um, um, could any of those things together mean that you don't have the same abilities that you did? Maybe. And so if you do want to get back to whatever, you know, physical ability or mobility that you had, what can you do? Exactly what you said, Summer. What can you do to support yourself towards those goals? Because if we try and lose weight, it's not going to, you know, we just know it's probably not going to happen. And so, yeah. And the big thing as well is what you touched on of people saying, I feel uncomfortable in my body. And I like to think about it. Um, when I was a kid, my mum said to me, do you want to get a haircut? We had this, this hairdresser that would come around our house, like super cheap. And she says, you're going to, can you can get a haircut called the bomb? And I was like, the bomb? I want it. She was saying a bob. But I missed her. And I was like, I want the fucking bomb. Yes, please. And so I had long, thick hair. The hairdresser cut it short, didn't do any layerings because it was just like a quick and dirty thing. And um, the next morning, I remember waking up and seeing myself in the mirror with this triangle of hair on my head and being like, like, what the heck? And it was really alarming. And when I shaved my head, going from 
long hair to having a shaved head it's just weird and different and so it's more noticeable and that's hair having a bigger body is a lot uh there's a lot you know there's fat phobia behind that and so of course it's distressing and of course you feel physically uncomfortable especially if you're wearing the same size clothes especially if you're noticing changes in your body and those changes in your mind mean that you're a bad person or you're, or you're unhealthy or whatever it is. And so you will get used to those new sensations of having a different body, you know, the same way as you get used to a shit haircut. Like I got when I was a kid. Yeah. I always use the example. (laughs) I always use the example of like a new pair of shoes. It's like, you got to kind of break it in, right? Like it's like the body that if it's different, it, it, it's going to take a little while for, your 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 mind to sort of catch up and and normalize it and i think that one of the things that often we do is like we completely like try to not look at it we try to like avoid it like we're just walking around with our heads cut off and i think that that actually exasperates the issue like even just you know some physical touch like put your hand on your belly or look down at your legs like take a minute to take them in and whatever feelings come up are valid but making your body less familiar, or I should say making your body more familiar is going to be beneficial to, to that process as well. Because I think that we are, if we sort of just are like avoiding mirrors or avoiding pictures and we never see ourselves and our bodies have changed, and then we're going to do something we haven't done, then it it's going to bring up a lot of sort of feelings and, and beliefs that we have. And so trying to work through that as well to become a little bit more embodied, I think is beneficial in that process. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And the other thing that I want to talk about in, in regards to mobility is wanting to unpack the ideas around healthism and ableism on this topic too. And the idea that as we age and because of life, because we, you know, we don't know what's going to happen in life, you will lose mobility. As you get older, you're not going to have the ability to do the things that you did when you were 20. And you never know what's going to happen. You might lose your mobility for any reason. And so if you're tying your self-esteem and your worth so closely to how mobile you are and, and your health status, then, you know, I've got to break it to you you're going to die one day, you know, you're going to get, hopefully you're going to get old if we have the, the, the pleasure of, of being able to age. And so things will change. And so if we can untangle our self-esteem and our worth from what our body does, I think that's really crucial because if we can't, then we're just going to be miserable for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing with like your appearance. Like we're all aging out of this out of beauty standards like you know (laughs) and if if you're if you're if the way that you view yourself as a whole is hinged on that then you're gonna it's gonna really hurt as you continue to see wrinkles and things hanging towards the ground more and more yep 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 unless unless you're like me and you had saggy tits from the moment that you had tits then you know you know i had to (laughs) i had to deal with that since i was like i don't know 12 or whatever anyway so i don't know um, i don't have to i don't have i don't have tits so i can't relate <laughs> oh, you have tits, 
they're not like bazookas like mine. Uh, <laughs> no, I know, but they're just very. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> my little prunes, my little prunes. <laughs> oh, they're so cute. Uh, <laughs> so it's fine. Now, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. Um, now I wanted to talk about the reason that you might actually need to lose weight for health reasons because. And people might say, what the fuck? Hang on. You were both just talking about how you don't need to lose weight for health reasons. But there could be a reason that you need to for health reasons. And that is if you are being denied life-saving surgery until you meet an arbitrary BMI number. So um, some people will say, uh, like for gender confirmation surgery, we are not going to offer you gender confirmation surgery unless you have your stomach amputated first, unless you lose weight first. And so you may choose because, um, you know, it's a life or death situation. You may choose to undergo surgery or to participate in a diet, knowing that it's harmful to you, knowing it's you know, not going to be resulting in long-term weight loss in order to get life-saving surgery or access to care or so many different things that fat people cannot get access to because of these ridiculous BMI standards. Yeah. And fertility, I think is another one, although, you know, it's not necessarily like life or death, but for a lot of people, that's like, they really, that's what they want. Like that's their life is, is to be able to, you know, have a family and there's a lot of, you know, fertility clinics or IVF that there's, there's a BMI limit. And, and so it's low, that's another one it that... is low, low, low. That BMI limit is basically you have to be straight size. Like it's fucking, is it really? It's so low. It's fucking gets on my flaps. And I, I, um, I, I made this whole post on Instagram, medical fat phobia, how public health promotes the eugenics of fat people. And it goes into every single thing, not every single thing, because it would be like 50 billion things long, but uh, lots of different things that we don't even realize that um, how fat people are denied things. One that is very distressing to think about is transplants. So if you're on a transplant list, if you are fat, you are seen as you're a class uh, as higher risk. And so you're less likely to get a transplant. And so um, imagine if you're, you're so sick that you need an organ transplant and then having to either undergo stomach amputation or squeezing surgery or a diet in order to get life-saving life transplant is just so violent. Ugh. Ugh, it just makes me, it makes me, and you know, and the, the list goes on and on and on of, of different ways that, um, you know, things are denied to fat people. And so you may, as a person, make that decision to say, do you know what? I know this is bullshit, but I'm going to die if I don't adhere to their, their guidelines. And so I'm going to, I'm just going to do it because this thing is so important for me. And the other thing to think about is, when people are living with multiple marginalized identities, then perhaps dieting is the only way to be safe or is a great way for them to be safe if they live in a fat body because society are, is kinder to fat people who are trying not to be fat versus fat people who are proudly fat. And so um, sometimes it is easier just to engage in dieting to, to prove your humanity to society. And so that's really important to recognize as well. 
Yeah. And I think you sort of see that with celebrities because they're under so much scrutiny and constant criticism. And even though they have wealth privilege, you still see how they will sometimes go down that road. And it's like, I think that it's, it's also connected to that feeling of like, well, I want this, like the safety of not having that constant like barrage of criticism. Yeah, I can't even imagine. Like, I've, I've, I've done episodes on this of, you know, what happens when your favorite fat celebrity loses weight. And I just think, fucking hell, like, if I was a celebrity, I wonder if I might be succumbed to the pressure, the absolute scrutiny of my body, every single centimeter of it being pulled apart, my uh, not being able to get roles, being being cast as like the, the funny fat one, all this type of things. Um, you know, I, I wonder if I would succumb to that. And this is coming from someone who is a, a fat activist. And so we are also putting these these people on a pedestal as if to say they should have their shit together. They are representing the fat community or whatever. And it's kind of like, yeah, but they're a human, <laughs> You know, and did they, did they, we don't know their history with dieting and, and if they, they had a history with disordered eating and, and all that type of stuff. And they're in fucking Hollywood. Like every single one of their Hollywood friend is probably like, oh my God, I'm just going to rub some dust into my eyeballs and I'm going to lose weight, you know? And so it's probably exhausting. Yeah. 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 I imagine. Yeah. No, I think you got to like have empathy for people because it just, the culture we live in is is violent, as you said. So yeah, yeah, and especially for those who are uh, uh, high, uh, who are like super fat people, or you know, fat people who are also people of color, or also are disabled, or also are trans, or, you know, etc., etc. Yeah, and I think that's the, the crux of, of death to diets. I think we we don't want to say exactly like we say at the beginning of every episode that you're a, you're a fucking idiot if you diet if you're dieting. We're saying diets don't support us in the way that we've been told that they do, and in fact they're really harmful. But we understand if people want to engage in diet culture for many different reasons and it doesn't mean that you're a bad person or you're not smart or or whatever it just means that our society is not built to support people fat people you know and yeah. other marginalized identities exactly exactly should we talk about what the audience said yes please you go ahead we asked the audience do you know how to deal with health issues without dieting or attempting weight loss i was sort of surprised by this so my audience said 37% said yes, and 63% said no, which is pretty close to yours. Yeah, mine was 31% said yes, 69 said no. Were, Were you surprised? surprised? No. I felt like more people would say, I know how to deal with health issues without attempting weight loss. Yeah. Yeah, because they I follow, like they're, they follow our, they follow us. <laughs> like I'm like, they listen to the podcast and stuff. And so that's not to say there's anything wrong with the people who said no, but it just, it shows mm. how pervasive mm. this fucking messaging is. Yeah. I think maybe what it is, is I think some people think, oh, other people can be healthy and fat, but not me. Yeah. I'm one of the bad ones, you know, or, you know, because I'm trying to think about, uh, yeah, of, and maybe they haven't listened to our podcasts. Maybe they haven't been following us for a long time. Maybe they're new people. And the ones who said, yes, you know, I do know how to support my health without attempting weight loss are the people who've been around for a little bit. Yeah, or maybe. maybe. We just need to talk about this even more. Yeah, I know. No, actually, it was like a real, I was like, oh, wow. Like, okay, I'm so glad we're doing this episode. And there needs to be more. Like I did, I did like a deep dive on diabetes with, 
Gladys Oyston and Rebecca Scritchfield. And, and I'm like, I'm so glad I have that because I feel like that's, there's just so many health conditions that there's these misconceptions about. So yes. I'm like, Oh, we just need to do more, <laughs> you know, more education around this. Then we asked what reasons do you feel you need to lose weight? And so my audience said, just feeling uncomfortable, sleep apnea, health, fitting into airplane seats, restaurant booths, things that associate that are associated with, you know, weight discrimination and things like that. Pressure off joints to get hip surgery, feeling more confident to be taken more serious, seriously professionally. What about you? Yeah, that's there's some really good responses because, you know, like to get hip, hip surgery, that's in a prime example of someone yes. who's will probably, unless they can find a doctor who will operate on them, have to do something which is not conducive with health to get surgery. And the reality is the world is kinder to fat, to thin people. And that's what my first, my, what people are saying to be attractive. And so to be attractive, that's obviously subjective. The world tells us that fat bodies are not attractive. I personally don't think it's true. I think fat people are fucking amazing. Uh, but the world in, uh, in general tells you, you need to be smaller to be attractive. But you know, anyway, so to be attractive, world is kinder to smaller bodies. So I look like the girls that the boys want uh, the boys fancy, uh, worried I have diabetes. And then someone sent a, a longer message, which is I'm really struggling to access any healthcare as a mid fat person. And I don't see that changing in my lifetime. The biggest societal fat phobia too. I feel simultaneously emboldened to change the world and take down the system and live radically. And life has been incredibly hard due to fat phobia, but I won't pursue intentional weight loss. For, for one thing, I'm in recovery from anorexia and my whole life is talking about this. But yeah, I guess those are the reasons I feel that sometimes, feel that sometimes, but don't act on it. It's kind of like holding these two realities of, yeah, if I was sinner, my life would be better in lots yeah. of ways because of yeah. society. But I probably can't get there. And that sucks, you know? Yeah, that's really tough. Yeah. So next question was, if you think that there are health issues that will will mean you need to lose weight, what are they? So what are the health issues that you think that you need to lose weight? What did your people say? Arthritis, bad knee, high blood pressure, diabetes, acid reflux, fertility. And I think I'm seeing yours. They seem to echo that. Those health notes, I feel, are so important uh, as it relates to a lot of those. But that's where, again, that like the IVF and the fertility, that, that one's so tough because, I mean, fertility, the fertility is different. If you're, if you're trying on your own, there's ways. But if you need IVF, then yeah, you may be denied that, which is one of, one of, one of those really hard situations. Yeah. Acid reflux. I've never heard that one before. Oh, I mean, like, you know, I mean, doctors will just say it's your weight because of fucking everything. Yeah, right. I've got a sty in my eye. Have you I was just, I was l- literally just going to say an ingrown hair in my eyebrows. So <laughs> we were on the same wavelength there. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and as well, like with the, so mine said, you know, diabetes, infertility, bad back and hips, arthritis to get pregnant and have a healthy pregnancy. And so a lot of these are, you know, to get pregnant and have a healthy pregnancy. So um, for people who are on the pregnancy thing, uh, Nicola Salmon, fat positive fertility is excellent and will break down uh, what's going on there and the realities of it. And so so doctors will say like, oh, um, you have, if you're fat, you have a uh, 50% increased chance of getting gestational diabetes. And then when we look at the numbers, it goes, it's something like, 
a straight-sized person has a 0.5% chance of getting gestational diabetes and a fat person has a 0.75% chance. Yeah. And so it's like, you have these scary things said to you and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to, I'm going to hurt my baby because I'm fat and it's my fault. And the reality is that gestational diabetes is not your fault to begin with, uh, but the risk uh, around these types of things are are way overblown um, very often. And you can get pregnant if you're fat and actually trying to lose weight to get pregnant is putting your body in a state that makes it harder to get pregnant. Um, but Nicola Salmon talks a lot about that stuff. Yeah, and so so talk, questioning these things like oh, arthritis, you know, arthritis, um, and someone saying, oh, I could get arthritis, and I'm, I'm sure they said, I'm 40. My sister had arthritis from the age of like 20. It's a, you know, she hereditary, it was, um, she got it from my mum. So, you know, and, and she's straight size. And do straight size people also have bad back and hips? Um, yeah. Is it true that, being fat is the cause of these things you know no our joints are are, are massively um supportive and a lot of times overusing them by running and doing things like that doing uh, over exercising or having injuries can cause complications but again go to the Hayes health sheets for more information um and how to treat this stuff from a doctor i want to give a shout out to nicola salmon's book fat and fertile it's so good. Even if you are not fat, I think it's like an amazing book on pregnancy and like trying to get, become pregnant. And if you are, obviously it's, it's even better because that's who it's geared towards, but it blows up so much stuff. And she was also on my podcast too. So there's that interview there. I can't remember the episode number, but if you Google it, then she'll come up. So I'm always dropping her name because her work is so good. And she's such a nice person. Yeah, she is. She and she's is. A smelly, she's a smelly British person like me, so you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think I think the other thing too I wanted to mention the high blood pressure is interesting too because you and you've spoken to this or you shared this I know is that like if the cuff isn't the right size because if your arm is so this happened to my husband recently because he's bigger and like for some reason his de- the dental assistant takes his blood pressure and it came back high and I was like. I was like, do you, do you think maybe they use the wrong cuff size? Cause like he's, he's big and his arm is massive. And so that can also like give a false reading, right? Like yeah. if, the, if you, if you have a too small cuff, it will give a false high reading. Yeah. So how often does a do- do- doctor or dentist have any more than one size cuff? Yeah. Oh, this was a dental assistant too. Like no offense to a dental assistant, but I was like, why do they take your blood pressure? That's the oddest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Anyways, well, you were saying that he gets lots of fillings, and maybe he has some type of like predisposition to something for because your teeth. If you don't take care of your teeth, then that can fuck with your heart. Did you know that? Yeah, I did know that. Yeah, because that's been the argument about the universal dental care in Canada right now, right? Oh, yeah. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe because you were saying he gets lots of fillings, like me. <laughs> He's gonna hate. Let's get, like. Oh. <laughs> okay. Let's not talk about his teeth anymore. Okay, okay, okay. All right. So that is the end of our episode today. You're going to go run off and live your fabulous life, Summer. Yeah, I got to go pick my son up. But um, these have been so fun. I've loved doing these. I feel like we've gotten some really good feedback from them. So who knows what will happen in the future? Yeah, who knows? Whether we'll just keep having conversations at dinner or whether we'll choose to record yeah. them again. <laughs> 
Yeah, right. Yeah, so that's it. All right. Well, um, thanks everyone for hanging out with us. And uh, I guess we'll see you on the Instagrams, which is where you can find us. Where can people find you, Summer? Yeah, they can find me at thebodyimagecoach.com. My podcast is called Eat the Rules, and I'm Summer In and In on all the social platforms. What about you? I am fierce, fatty everywhere. Easy peasy, lemon and lime. So come follow me. Let's have some fatty fun. Okay. Well, all right. Thanks, everybody. Bye, everyone. See you later. In a while, crocodiles. Bye. Thank you so much for being here today. You can find all the links and resources mentioned at summerinandin.com forward slash 227. I'll be back again very soon with another new episode. Thanks for being here. Rock on. I'm Summer Inanin, and I want to thank you for listening today. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Summer Inanin. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts, search Eat the Rules, and subscribe, rate, and review this show. I would be so grateful. Until next time, rock on.